I'm Frederick Gerton. I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. So, Ms. Farah, welcome to uh, Pushback Talks. Good to be back. You know, I'm here in Malmö, Sweden. You're all the way in Ottawa, Canada. I am. And still we can talk to each other. Isn't it amazing? Technology. I mean, I remember days where we actually could meet. Uh, oh, I remember <laughs> those days too. Yeah. But such is life. You're in your cave and I'm in my little studio here. It's, it's, it's yeah. okay. You know, I, I I wrote a story about Blackstone buying into this oatmeal company, Oatly, here in Malmo. Yes. And it's been a lot of debate around it. And now I republished it on Facebook uh, this Sunday. And I got like, it's like 8,000 shares or more. I can't, re- I don't really know how to measure it, but it's a lot of shares and it's a very, very hot debate. And it's interesting. And now in the, the, the latest day, you can see that now they have writers coming in and trying to say that, you know, money is money. You know, you need right. you need big, big money also if you want to do good things. You know, how can you grow without money? And the only money we have is this like Blackstone money. How do you see that? Uh, that's pretty interesting. So people are coming out to defend Oatly's yeah. decision to give up 10% of their company to a private equity firm mm. that is known to be a human rights violator. Uh, well, I don't think I don't think money is uh, uh, without um, some moral quality. Uh, the spending of money, whose money matters, I think. Because I, I mean, I, I know you said in the film Push, that's how we met, that you know you're not against capitalism, but you're against like Uber. You know, capitalism in capitalism without any moral at all. That's right. I mean, uh, what I always say, and I I think it's possible. I say I only want capitalism to be responsive to human rights. So if capitalism can carry forward and not result in the abuse of human rights, then I'm good with capitalism. Why wouldn't I be? I don't know. A lot of people hate it, but I mean, I'm I'm just interested uh, because I think I mean I think we'd have to draw some kind of line. Is you know, money made from smuggling refugees, money made mm. from um, killing native peoples in the jungles of Brazil, or yeah. money made from smuggling, producing smuggling cocaine. Would you mm. like that money going into your company, or is it just doesn't matter? That's the question. And this is what we're going to talk to. It's a good question. Today, because we are going to talk about golden visas. What is Mm -hmm. golden visas, Leilani? You're the Mm. expert. The global director of the shift. And then the former UN special rapporteur on adequate housing. So you know a lot about golden visas. I do know a bit about golden visas, uh, and I have to say I stumbled upon it. I actually didn't know anything about it until I went to Portugal. Golden visas is basically when a country allows investors to give to invest in something in the country, and then as a reward for that investment, they get an offer of residency and citizenship. 
And the investments tend to be in real estate, uh, not exclusively, but predominantly. And so you just you get to buy your way into citizenship, basically, and very, very attractive for some people, of course, because there are countries in the European Union who offer these golden visas. So then you get you don't just get residency in that country, you get access to the EU. Yeah. And there are like three countries that has been we've seen more openly in the debate now. Uh, and that's Cyprus, Malta and Portugal, because in the midst of the the last financial crisis. Greece was in chaos, everybody was in chaos, and a lot of countries in recession. And they wanted to find a way to get the economy rolling again. Yeah, supposedly. I mean, that's supposedly what the golden visas are, are meant to do. So they started these incentives and said, if you invest a certain amount of money into my country, we will give you a passport. Yeah. And, you know... I didn't know so much about this, but I last year uh, I went to Cyprus to show Push at an amazing, very sweet festival called Lemesos International Documentary Festival, which is then in the town of Limassol. Lemesos Limassol is actually the same town. Beautiful town, nice people. And already in the taxi from the airport, the taxi driver told me that his... His rent a few years earlier was 300 euros a month. Now it was 800. So something had happened. And on the highway going from the airport to, to uh, Limassol, there was big billboards. Luxury condo. Uh. Luxury condo. Luxury condo. In Russian. In Chinese. <laughs> you know, right. in, in, in several different languages. So yeah. you, it was, you could really already in this, this was actually the plane landed like 2, 2 a.m. So in the middle of the night, talking to the Crazy. taxi driver, I could sense that this was a country that something drastic had happened. Mm -hmm. and, and then to the screening, it came almost like 400 people. And, wow. and they were so touched by the film. And they said, this is like, this is about us. This, what you wow. talk about in, in the film, is this is happening exactly here in our town. And people, there was so much stress and frustration. And the people coming to, this, to the screening was ordinary citizens of, of this country. And they, they were suddenly, they, they couldn't move. And in just, uh, they were in the harbor, they were built like some extra extension of the harbor with this kind of luxury villas who had their own yacht parking and there was luxury shops, you know, and so on. Right. And it, it like, you could see that all this money coming in had created some kind of energy, some something, but for the people living in, in the city, it was disaster. Yeah. As a special rapporteur of, of the mm -hmm. United Nations, you, you went on an official mission to Portugal. And I Portugal did. is also one of those countries who had this, this incentive. And uh, I also know, because I was in Portugal last year, I could see the, how, how, how the city has almost been death-kissed by this kind of strange energy kicking out neighbors, uh, leaving houses empty. You know, it's like it's, 
Anyway, yeah. but you know more. Tell, tell us. Yeah, well, when I went on mission to Portugal, I actually didn't know that uh, golden visas were there. When I first arrived, I had this really formal meeting with representatives from a variety of governments uh, who have embassies there and um, also from international financial institutions. So we had this meeting and... It was there that they mentioned this golden visa scheme. So I was like, oh, what's, tell me more about this. The way it played out in Portugal, it was, of course, introduced after the global financial crisis. And it had been, um, I think it was a term of um, their austerity measures that were imposed on them by the European Central Bank. Uh, and I think... Recommended um, by get, the IMF, yeah. Exactly, mm. exactly. And the International Monetary uh, Fund. The International Monetary Fund, mm. uh, which is, you know, which is deeply rooted in a neoliberal framework, basically. And in the case of Portugal at the time, uh, there was sort of a two-pronged approach to the golden visa. You could do one of two things. You could invest in real estate, uh, and that meant, um, you know, the basically the purchasing of re real estate or upgrading of real estate, or you could invest and create jobs. And those were the two vehicles. And then what you got was um, residency in Portugal, and I think access to the EU. And then later, I think five years later, if you reinvested, uh, you could get citizenship. The residency requirement, seven days. You only had to be resident in the country for seven days, probably basically, uh, it's like a, a token. Uh, and the uh, expenditure, 500,000 euros. So that's how you had to invest, or, or 350,000, depending on, on what you did. So not a huge amount of money, actually. I still want to get into your... Because I've been traveling with you. You meet yeah. the Minister of Finance. You get into yeah. all these special rooms where, where the decision makers are. And they, That's right. And so tell me, how is it to go to a country as a UN representative and, and knock the door? Hey, I'm Leilani. I'm going yeah. to check if you're doing your job. How, yeah. how is that? How was it there in Portugal, remember? Well, I, because I became intrigued by this golden visa, I made a request to meet with the Ministry of Finance. And uh, the first reaction, and this isn't just in Portugal, everywhere I went, whenever I wanted to meet with the Ministry of Finance, they're scratching their head saying, oh, but you're housing. Why do you want to meet with finance? What does finance have to do with your mandate? Which is really interesting, of course. Mm -hmm. And I'm, of course, finance has everything to do with my mandate. So yeah, so I met, I ended up meeting not with the Minister of Finance, but with high level senior policy person within the ministry. Uh, and my, my big question was, I had two big questions. How much money was going toward this golden visa that was creating jobs? And how much was going toward real estate and the purchasing of real estate? I discovered that 95% of investment had gone to real estate. That's what they told me in this very formal ministry meeting, 95%, uh, that only something like 12 visas had been issued where jobs were being created. Because Portugal is actually selling a story of a new IT industry being created through this visa program. 
So that's right. there, are, there is like a little cooking industry in Portugal of, of that kind of new startup people and so on. But obviously the money goes into real estate anyway. So that's like, that's what, that's the success story, but there is another hidden story. And I think it's that story that basically also affects um, the pe people's lives. At the time, not n very little was being invested in the tech industry through the Golden Visa program. One of the issues that I raised of concern was how can you allow the Golden Visa program to unfold and allow all this investment in Lisbon and Porto and other cities in, in Portugal when isn't that going to put too much pressure on the housing market? Rents were escalating, and I, I had seen that in Lisbon and Porto and was documenting that. Um, and there wasn't really a reply to that, nor did they reply to my question, which I think is a real question. I don't know if you have the answer to this, Frederick, but how does foreign investment in real estate create benefits for the country? What What is that productive capital somehow? So, you know, if I have a whole lot of money and invest it, how does that benefit Portugal or Malta? I just read a very interesting book by Rutger Bregman, mm. uh, the Dutch historian, and he also talks about the, the invention of the, the GDP, you know, this how we measure the economy. And the inventor of GDP initially didn't want to use the financial industry and you know at all in how to measure the the economy mm. and, and when that became a part of measuring the the, the, the state of the nation uh, he opposed it now you can't use the financial industry in this I mean now governments it's a way of showing they're doing fine is the GDP is going up and up and up. But what if it happens like in Lisbon then, that the old beautiful townhouses around are suddenly 10 times more expensive? Of course, then GDP goes up, right. you know. But for the people, their salaries hasn't, hasn't gone up. Yeah. Small shopkeepers are kicked out from their business. And rents go up. And rents go up and so on. I mean, so it's the measure GDP is probably not working, but it's... But it's still used as more of a political tool. And I, th I think if we, right. I mean, I'm not against growth, you know. I mean, of course, we, the population of the earth is growing. Of course, we, we need to yeah. improve and so on. But, but growth has to be real. In all, and it also needs to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. Come on, you know. I, I live in the country of Greta, right. you know. I, she's telling me every day, we need, to, <laughs> we, we need to do sustainable things. We can't just run on you know and uh, you know do business as usual we have to be sustainable and and we have to measure our the progress in a in a different way i think that's i think that's right and i one of the things i was saying to the government of portugal is okay if you're going to run this golden visa program shouldn't the benefits of that program let's say it's through property taxes i assume because in in many 
countries, the golden visa program exempts the investor from having to pay any income tax or anything like that if they're resident in the country. So so they're not benefiting from income tax, fine, but they might be benefiting from some property taxes. I was arguing that those property taxes, at least, should be going back into the housing sector to provide affordable housing for low-income people or people in need. That didn't get a whole lot of traction, I will say that. Um, but that's where that's what I mean about not understanding that is there any productive capital that comes out of this and it's if they're not creating they're not creating jobs because they're buying existing properties they're not living in the country so they're not spending their money in the country you know it seems so to me it's um I, I just I don't I don't get it except for what you said which is it's this sort of fiction that makes the GDP look better we talked about this in relation to Oatly and mm. all this you know is money just money? Doesn't it, you know, we need more money into our nation. But if we then also invite criminals, mm. criminal money, is that good? Okay, our nation is in trouble, so let's bring in the criminal money. What will that, what will make out of your city or your, your country after that? So let's, you know, there's been some amazing journalism done th through some leaks, the the P Panama Papers, the Paradise Papers, who really been able to to watch or look into how wealthy people move their money around, uh, you know, avoid paying taxes and, and, and all this. Um, now there is a new leak actually done by Al Jazeera. Yes. And it's called the Cyprus Leaks. And it's it's kind of interesting because it, it looks into the golden visas. Mm. I have listened to a little quote from Al Jazeera here. To become a citizen of the Mediterranean island nation of Cyprus costs more than two and a half million dollars. Among those who've paid that, Russian businessman Ali Beglov. He'd already served a prison sentence for extortion. And the Chinese investment tycoon Jiang Kachang, who had been jailed for fraud. The Cyprus Papers, a large data leak obtained by Al Jazeera, reveal the two and a half thousand people from 74 countries who bought a Cypriot passport. Cyprus says it checks applicants have a clean criminal record, but we found multiple cases of applicants who were wanted by police at the time they were sold Cypriot citizenship. Mikola Zlachevsky was already wanted in Ukraine for large-scale theft of public funds. Leilani, Incredible. this is like you you should go in and listen to more of that that story. I mean, you can go to Al Jazeera uh, because they have a lot of documents out there on their site. It's really it's it's very interesting to look into it. But it's I mean, Cyprus brought in eight billion dollars, you know, mm -hmm. and and of course that's a lot of money for a small nation. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. This, the, the incentive started in 2013 and it ran into 2019 with a kind of very open and liberal way. And then there become some little sharpened rules uh, last year. And now, actually this year, uh, they have sharpened it further so they can even now also strip a citizenship for some of these criminals. But it's like the, only the two last year, 2017 to 19, 2,500 people got the, the, the golden visa. And it's... And it's a lot of criminal money. And criminal money, 
like you heard this, the Chinese, uh, the, the, the Ukraine and the Russian. There's also some Vietnamese former minister who's also part of this. And the people who are facing jail time in their own countries. But they've, they've been buying it. They've been able to buy their with money into the European Union. So it's, but it's a double because they've also been stealing f in their home countries. So exactly. They, it's another poor country that's actually lost this money and lost the tax money that could have come. And then you put it in to Cyprus or to the European Union where you, you destroy the local market. Yep. But it's also what happens with a, with a moral, what happens with a social contract in a country where you have a different set of rules for, for people with a lot of money, no matter if they're criminals or not. Exactly. I mean, and I think that's, it really shakes a country. And that, that's what I felt when I was in Limassol. That people are really, they were upset, mm. they were sad, and they didn't really know what to do because these forces were so strong. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. I mean, the lack of transparency, too, which the Al Jazeera reveal suggests um, that that these schemes really should be made completely transparent. At, I mean, that's that's a very minimum thing, obviously, um, but it it you know. The thought that it's this criminal money that is um, accessing these markets and then creating misery for everyday people who are just trying to live in their own country or their own city, it's remarkable. We did a podcast called um, Corruption, the New Normal. So we talked about the criminal money. And I think we need to keep talking about the criminal money mm -hmm. and the, the money laundering that also our own banks has been a part of. And of course, all the tax havens, as uh, Roberto Saviano, the amazing Italian writer, told us in, in Push the Film, check him out, he's amazing, uh, that you know the tax havens is where illegal and legal capitalism meet and merge. And when that money floats back into our societies, it's just money. It's, it's laundered. Mm -hmm. So it behaves like normal money, but it competes with you if you have paid your taxes. It it competes with local industrialists who actually is doing paying his taxes. Well, hopefully, but I mean, so it's so. It, but it's it's an, it's a very unfair setup. But then it's also criminal money, you know, produced in in the most immoral way. Do we really want that money coming into our societies? Exactly, and and we called the episode about corrupt money, the new normal. Mm. And I think the Golden Visa program is such a good example of the normalcy that we're creating around what should be, in fact, completely, uh, well, it is immoral and shouldn't be the norm. But when you call something a Golden Visa program, and if you Google, you'll find, you know, very um, mainstream real estate agencies talking about golden visas and you'll find there are companies that have been set up very proper looking companies set up to help you become a golden visa uh, uh, applicant and there is a complete normalization uh, as if this is just a, a perfectly fine thing for a country suffering economic decline to engage in yeah there's not a small little european island called malta mm. You know, you, you know what it is? It's like yes. just south of Sicily, almost close to 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 Libya in you know in Africa. So it's like it's but a small, 
ancient island has been there for forever in history it's always been a, a part of this of the sea life and so on of course uh, they also have this golden visa mm-hmm. and there was there was an amazing brave independent journalist on Malta called Daphne Caruana Galizia and she she had her own blog so she was actually posting everything herself and she was also a part of the Panama paper investigation yes. she and her son and so they they could really because of her own local network she could connect the dots because you know these leaks are complicated you need to understand who is that and so on but so she really kind of shook the local elites with her knowledge and then 2017 uh, a car bomb went off and killed her terrible yeah it's 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 a very high price to pay for journalism of course and it's also very sad for a nation to to land in a situation like that Mm -hmm. The court cases are ongoing. They have the killers. But of course, the killers are normally just guys who got paid to do something. Mm -hmm. But they actually found a man very close to the government in like the government in circles who was then probably commissioning this. His business was visa, (laughs) service, uh, uh, real estate, also internet uh, casinos mm. which is like the the biggest business in malta internet casinos and when of course that the internet casinos has another side of it because it invites a lot of criminal money into that business they're also very good in crypt- cryptocurrencies getting right. into that so it's like it's it's a very it's a meeting place for a lot of uh, bad stuff mm. Mm. So you can guess what happened to the price of living in on Malta. Right. It was quite cheap to live there. Suddenly, all the the, the rental prices went up more than double mm. because of all this money coming in. And again, the same kind of addresses. You know, it's like from Russia, from China, from well, well from many countries. I mean, it's not only about Russian and Chinese. This is like it's crooks and criminals from all kind of nations. Yeah, that's right. But of course, the the golden visas are interesting for people who are who are not European citizens. Of course. Yes, absolutely. I I think in in Portugal, uh, the main um, applicants were from China, and it's not clear whether it's mainland or um, Hong Kong. Um, suspected both. Uh, Brazilians, actually, and people from the U.S. So, I mean, quite quite a range there. I just on the moral issues, Frederick. One of the things um, that that eats away at me with respect to these golden visas. Uh, I remember on when I went on mission to France, I went up north to Calais, and a lot of people will know about Calais and the ju- the Calais jungle, where um, you know people from mostly Africa traveled in often dinghies, risking their lives to, to get to Europe, with a view often to getting to the UK in particular. A lot of them only speak English, not French or Spanish, and therefore um, want to get to the UK. So when I went up to Calais, I met a, several refugees living in really the harshest conditions. I mean, they were living in the forest, and they were living in tents. And those tents, they were being evicted from their tents every 24 hours. So they were constantly moving from a bridge to the forest to, you know, and the side of a road, etc. And they just... They they wanted to be in Calais. I never understood why Calais. Of course, because it's 
just across the water from the UK, but also you can see the UK from Calais. And they that gave them hope that they could get there because they could see it, you know. And of course, I'm talking to them and I'm knowing that most of them will never make it to the UK. Meanwhile, if you have two million pounds, you can avail yourselves yourself of a golden visa program in the UK and get access to the country immediately. And if you have four million pounds, you can get access more quickly. You know, two million buys, you you have to wait five years. Four million, you wait one year. It seems so immoral and so unjust. So the UK and France and all... Many big nations have these kind of incentives. Yeah, it's like not so publicized as the the three we've talked about. But I mean, that's right. You can ba- basically buy yourself a passport in any nation. Yeah, because you you can move in with your money and and so on. The richer you are, the easier it is. And so I I know you got some some updates around Portugal uh, mm-hmm. golden visas. Well, I mean, it's pretty interesting. I I thought for this podcast I should see what's happened since the pandemic. And has that affected the whole golden visa thing? And um, I looked specifically at Portugal. And in fact, in the month of May, they saw the highest rate of applications for golden visas and acceptance of higher than the four months previously taken together the highest rate single monthly rate ever i have a take on that i have a take on why this is happening when the pandemic hit a lot of extremely wealthy people got stuck in africa Mm. you know in in impoverished nation and you know the imf the international monetary fund whenever there's been a crisis in the country they say oh you have to cut the public sector you have Mm. to save money so of course what they've been doing is cutting down hospitals all the service there is and and the rich people well they've always been taking a plane out to the doctor in london or in france or whatever they go and suddenly they couldn't move for a while So they got they got really nervous, rich people. Mm. Now I'm sitting here in my African nation, and if I get that COVID, I w- might also die. So they got really stressed. So I, I can totally see that as soon as there were some flights opening up, they boom, they went to Lisbon, and then they, they bought themselves a passport. Yeah, I think that's probably right. And certainly I know that Brazilians were a big portion of the Portuguese purchases and we know what's happening in in Brazil with respect to COVID and we know that they've had a real clampdown on uh, public services and money for social services so that wouldn't surprise I think your theory is probably right one other tidbit of information about Portugal that I found super interesting is and this actually predates the pandemic but just at the beginning of 2020 they decided that they would not extend the golden visa program any longer to investments in Lisbon or Porto because they felt that the housing markets were under too much pressure. So that's a really good sign. I mean, Portugal has taken a bunch of steps recently that I think are good signs. They adopted... You've been advising yeah. the government of Portugal, haven't you? <laughs> well, through my through my mission, I did, and I recommended that they adopt a human rights based approach to housing and that they adopt legislation and they've done that that legislation initial legislation didn't touch on golden visas though i did 
tell them that they should reform and regulate the golden visa program. Uh, But this new move of limiting it to less developed areas of the country is a good sign. And I also read that a large portion of the new investments are going toward um, renovation. Uh, renovations, yes, and, and so renovating old buildings, which is good for the for the historic integrity of the city. It's really good, but also um, investments in startups. So that goes to the technology you were saying that Portugal had had. Mm advertise this as being a good for um, new technology and new businesses and more money is going into those so maybe it will benefit the economy but if if that money going out to a village you know in the countryside if it's criminal money is it still okay for you no <laughs> never <laughs> no criminal money is not cool and it's not cool does to money it. smell or does it not yeah. smell <laughs> it smells it smells <laughs> yeah you should ask Oatly about that. They don't think so. They think they need it um, because they want to do something. Well, Oatly cool might think differently when people stop drinking their milk because of the dirty investment. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's how you see it. Mm-hmm. You stopped it. Anyway, they're still nice people. But anyway, so this is like our 10th episode. Ah, is this oh, a we, should be, we should be having a celebration. Ten. Yeah, that's I have a, a glass of water. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <That's> no, <right. laughs> I mean, I see people having this kind of um, Zoom parties, Friday beers, and so mm. on. I, I, I tr- I've been trying to stay out of those. Yeah, I do <laughs> I, it occasionally I when I really need to and want to talk to a friend overseas, but yeah. no, it doesn't have a party feel. So Pushback Talks is here to stay, it seems. I mean, we will see. We are still totally, we have no money. And so we are, we're still looking into how we should survive with this. We have opened this kind of patron. Do you know what patron is? I don't patron really, is, actually. No, it's 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 actually a, a way where people can support the creators. Quite often, of podcasts, it's most supporters have you know comedians, you know funny people. So we're probably really, really down on the list, <laughs> but. But if there are some people out there who who think, yeah, I think these guys need like five dollars a month, it's actually a possibility. Ah. So you should go to to patreon.com and look for pushback talks, and then you can actually support us. We also now have an email address, <laughs> so we're we're really well, going up. That's it's right. Pushback, pushback at w <laughs> pushback at w g fuck <laughs> pushback at w g film. Dot S-E. You can repeat it, please. Push back at <laughs> WGfilm.se. Not so hard. So No, no, I know. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm tired, but it's, uh, it's okay. So, and also, friends out there, um, if you really want to help us promote our... Um, our podcast. You can go to the, the Push the Films website, pushthefilm.com. There is now a pushback part where you, there's also some materials if you want to show and share with your friends on Instagram and so on. Um, but I mean, the best way to survive is having a lot of, of listeners. That's right. Uh, I checked the stats before going in, oh, yeah. and, and we now have listeners in 68 countries. Ooh, it's growing every day. That's great. Do you think we will reach 70 soon? I hope so. I mean, it's, it, it's cool. I think it's cool because 
what we find find out in, in in push the film and the work you were doing is actually that it's this is a totally global story yes and and the black stones of the world are doing the same wherever they go and it have the same impact on people's lives everywhere yep. so it's not something that only happens in london or new york this also happens in small towns in big you mm -hmm. know in 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 many countries so that's good to know anyway leilani we did it we've done it <laughs> <laughs> that's Ten good. episodes so, that's cool 10 episodes. So, yeah, if, if you have ideas what we should talk about in the coming episodes, write to us on Twitter, or on Facebook, or wherever you find us, or to our email address, pushback at wgfilm.ac. <laughs> and then we can talk more. Okay. Take care. Walk the dog. Gonna go walk the dog. And I don't know. I'm going to actually watch a football game in Portland. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Go cheer. I will. Take care. Thanks, Bye. Frederick. Bye. Bye, Delaney. Thank you.